Innalhamdulillah, nahmiduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa siyyati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh Amma ba'd So we began last week Sifatu Salah the description of the Prophet's prayer from the explanation of Ash-Shaykh al the book of Ash-Shaykh al rahimahullahu ta'ala. So we arrived at the chapter, Fadlus Salah wa Fawaiduha. The virtues of the prayer and its benefits. The virtues of the prayer and its benefits. The Sheikh says, تَكَاثَرَتِ النُّصُوصِ فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَسُنَّةِ رَسُولِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي فَضْلِ الصَّلَاةِ وَالْمُحَافَظَةِ عَلَيْهَا That there are multiple narrations, many narrations in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah, telling us about the virtues of the prayer and the importance of guarding over your prayer. For example, Allah said, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ That the believers, they are the ones who are successful. Indeed, the believers are successful. But who are the believers? Who are they? What are their characteristics? One of their characteristics is الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Those who have the khushu' in their prayer, they establish the prayer with khushu' with ease and comfort and tranquility of the heart and calmness and focus. They focus on that obedience and worship with sincerity to Allah. Then these believers, أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ They have been successful. They are the ones who are successful. Also there are many narrations which indicate to us the great virtue and the great benefits of this prayer. One of those is the ayah in the Qur'an where Allah tells us very clearly to guard over the prayers and to make sure that you do not miss the prayers. <coughs> in Surah Al-Baqarah, حَافِظُوا عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ وَالصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى Guard over and preserve your prayers. حَافِظُوا عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ Guard over and preserve your prayers. And the middle prayer, وَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ And stand before your Lord in silence. Stand before your Lord in submissiveness. In another hadith, in a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ أَوَّلَ مَفْتَرَضَ اللَّهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ مِنْ دِينِهِمُ الصَّلَاةِ وَآخِرَ مَا يَبْقَى الصَّلَاةِ 
وأول ما يحاسب به الصلاة ويقول الله انظروا في صلاة عبدي فإن كانت تامة كتبت تامة وإن كانت ناقصة يقول انظروا هل لعبدي من تطوع فإن وجد له تطوع تمت الفريضة من التطوع In the hadith it mentions that the first thing Allah obligated upon the people is the prayer. And the last thing which remains is the prayer. The first thing that you will be held accountable upon on the day of judgment is the prayer. And Allah will say on that day, Look to the prayer of my servant. Examine what does my servant have in terms of prayer. Did he used to pray? Has he got prayer? If he has, he used to observe the prayer and it is complete. It will be written for him as complete. It will be written for him that he observed and guarded over the prayers completely. But if it is deficient, if that prayer of that person is deficient, then it will be said, look to my servant, does he have any supererogatory? Does he have any supererogatory prayers, the nawafil, the sunan? So if supererogatory ones are found, they will then complete the gap and the deficiency from the obligatory ones. So this is a great narration highlighting to us the importance and the virtue of the prayer it is the first thing that a person will be held accountable upon on the day of judgment. The first thing that you will be asked about on the day of judgment regarding your prayer. وعن عبد الله ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال And Abdullah ibn Amr رضي الله عنهما said إن رجلا جاء إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فسأله عن أفضل الأعمال فلمان كيم to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and asked him what is the best of actions what is the best of actions فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الصلاة the prayer ثُمَّ قَالْ مَهْ Then he said, then what? قَالْ The Prophet said, الصَّلَاةِ Mentioned to him prayer again. So the man then said, then what? ثُمَّ قَالْ مَهْ قَالْ The Prophet said to him again, الصَّلَاةِ Three times the man was asking, what is the best of actions? And three times the Prophet ﷺ told him, it is the prayer, the prayer, the prayer that indicates to you the greatness of this prayer, indicates to you the greatness of this act of worship. Three times the Prophet ﷺ mentioned it to him before mentioning anything else. The first three times, what is the best action? Prayer. What is the best action after that? Prayer. What is the best act? Prayer. Three times. Then after that he mentioned the other affairs. 
So this indicates to you the great virtue and the great importance of the prayer. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ was asked about an action, a worship that would enter a person into paradise. He was asked by someone, what can I do? What worship can I do that will enter me into paradise? So the Prophet ﷺ replied to him and told him, عَلَيْكَ بِكَثْرَةِ السُّجُودِ لِلَّهِ Upon you is to perform lots of prostrations to Allah. Prostrate a lot, meaning pray a lot. How do you prostrate? In prayer. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, regarding his question, which worship can I do which will take me to paradise? He said, prostrate a lot, meaning pray a lot. فَإِنَّكَ لَا تَسْجُدُ لِلَّهِ سَجْدَةِ For indeed, you will not prostrate a prostration for Allah, except that, إِلَّا رَفَعَكَ اللَّهُ بِهَا دَرَجَةِ That Allah will raise you in rank, raise you in level and degree, for every prostration you make to your Lord. وَحَطَّ عَنْكَ بِهَا خَطِيئَةِ and an evil will be wiped away and removed from you for every prostration you make. So this was when the man asked the Prophet ﷺ, what action can I do which will enter me into paradise? He said to him, prostrate a lot, pray a lot. For indeed you will not prostrate a prostration to Allah, except that by means of it, you will be raised in level and your sin will be removed for every prostration. So this indicates again the greatness of the prayer. Also from the virtues of the prayer is that for the Prophet ﷺ, prayer used to bring him peace. Prayer used to bring peace and comfort to the Prophet ﷺ. Prayer brings you peace and comfort to your heart. How do we know that? In the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, جُعِلَ قُرَّةُ عَيْنِي فِي الصَّلَاةِ The coolness of my eyes. What brings me tranquility and ease and comfort? Is a salah prayer. Prayer brings comfort and ease to a person. Prayer settles a person. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ used to say to Bilal, "Um ya Bilal, fa'arihna bi-salah." Stand, O Bilal, make the iqama and bring us comfort with the prayer. Meaning make the iqamah so we can pray and that will bring us comfort and ease and peace and settlement in our hearts. So that is something from the virtues of the prayer. And that is no doubt because of the connection of a servant to his Lord. When you pray, the connection of the servant to his Lord, calling upon Allah, making dua, Allah responding to you. All of that connection between the servant and his Lord 
then that is certainly something which brings peace and tranquility and comfort to the heart of the one who is sincere and prays upon khushu'ah. Another virtue of the prayer, a person who guards over the prayer and prays all of the prayers, the prayer is something which helps you to stay away from sinning. When a person finds himself weak, falling into sins and wrongdoing, prayer is something which helps you to stay away from sinning. How do we know that? Because Allah told us in the Qur'an. Allah told us in the Qur'an, this prayer, do it properly and it helps you to stay away from sinning. Prevents the sinning and the evil. In the ayah in the Qur'an, it mentions, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Indeed, this prayer, it prohibits the evil and the lewd acts. The prayer prohibits that evil. Helps you to stay away from that evil. And that is because when a person has his heart connected to Allah, has his heart connected to the prayer five times a day, praying properly with sincerity and focus, then your heart becomes connected to your Lord, connected uh, to this worship and obedience, and it becomes further away from sinning and wrongdoing. Also another virtue of the prayer. That a person who guards over the prayer, it helps you in your worldly affairs in your lives. What's going on in your lives, guard over the prayer and it makes help for you, helps you to make your affairs easy. How do we know that? In the Quran, Allah said, وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ Seek aid and assistance in your affairs through what? Through patience. Be patient, whatever the situation is, and that will aid you to get through it. But what else will aid you to get through it? Patience and the ayah says, prayer. Seek aid and assistance through patience and prayer. God over the prayers and pray them. Protect those prayers and ensure that they are prayed on time. It is mentioned in the hadith. كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا حزبه أمر صلى When the Prophet ﷺ used to be concerned or worried about something, if something concerning or worrying was on the mind of the Prophet ﷺ, what would he go and do? Salah, he would go and pray. Prayer brings you tranquility and ease in your heart, calms your mind from whatever the issue is. So it's mentioned in the hadith, whenever the Prophet ﷺ had something worrying him, he would go and pray. That prayer would calm him and bring him tranquility and ease and comfort. So prayer helps you and gives you assistance in your worldly affairs and matters, whatever they may be. Also, from the virtues of the prayer is the great amount of reward a person receives in prayer. The great amount of reward a person receives in prayer. (laughs) 
It mentions in a hadith. خَمْسُ صَلَوَاتٍ كَتَبَهُنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ Five prayers that Allah has obligated upon the servants. فَمَنْ جَاءَ بِهِنَّ لَمْ يُضَيْعِ مِنْهُنَّ شَيْئًا إِسْتِخْفَافًا بِحَقِّهِنَّ So whomsoever preserves and guards all of those five prayers and meets Allah on that day, having guarded over them and prayed them all, not missing them, not belittling them, not losing their right, giving the right of the prayer, establishing the prayer, Praying it five times a day, whomsoever comes on the day of judgment like that, having guarded over his prayer properly, كَانَ لَهُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَحَدٌ أَنْ يُدْخِلَهُ الْجَنَّةِ Then he has a covenant from Allah that he will be entered into paradise. The one who guards and preserves over this prayer. In another hadith, it mentions, الصَّلَاةُ نُورُ الصَّلَاةُ نُورُ this prayer, it is light. It is light for you. It is something good for you and beneficial for you. It is light for you. Light in your heart. Light upon your face. Light in your grave. Light upon when resurrection occurs. It will bring you light in your affairs. In another hadith it mentions, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. رضي الله عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه ذكر صلاة يوما فقال من حافظ عليها كانت له نورا وبرهانا whomsoever guards over the prayer then he will have light and proof ونجات and salvation يوم القيامة on the day of judgment ومن لم يحافظ عليها but a person who doesn't guard over the prayer, doesn't bother, doesn't pray, doesn't take care of that prayer in observing it as it should be, then لم يكن له نور. He will not have any light. ولا برهان. Nor any evidence or proof for yourself. ولا نجات. And neither will you have salvation. These three things. Light and proof for yourself and salvation. Prayer gives you that. But the one who abandons or does not care over the prayer, you lose your light, you lose your proof, you lose your salvation. So this again indicates a very severe affair. Also, from the virtues of the prayer is that it wipes out your sins. When you pray, it wipes out your sins. أَنَّهَا كَفَّارَةٌ لِصَغَائِرِ الذُّنُوبِ وَتَطْهِيرٌ مِنَ الْخَطَايَا It expiates your minor sins. And it purifies you from your other sins. Minor sins. Expiates the minor sins and purifies you from them. Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه mentions in a hadith أرأيتم that the Prophet said he says I heard the Prophet say أرأيتم لو أن نهرا بباب أحدكم he said think about this imagine you had a river next to your house at your front door near your house you have a river flowing by يَغْتَسِلُ مِنْهُ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ خَمْسَ مَرَّاتٍ And that person goes and washes himself with that water from the river five times a day. 
goes and washes himself everywhere, uses that river, washes himself with the water five times a day. هَلْ يَبْقَى مِنْ دَرَنِهِ شَيْءٍ The Prophet ﷺ said, Will that person have any uncleansiness, any dirt left on his body? Goes into the river five times a day and washes himself. Bathes five times a day. Is he going to have any dirt left on his body? Washing five times a day? قَالُوا لَا يَبْقَى مِنْ دَرَنِهِ شَيْءٍ They said, of course, there will be no dirt left on him. He will be clean and pure, washing five times a day from the river. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, قَالْ فَذَلِكَ مَثَلُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ That is the example of the five prayers. That is the example of the five prayers. يَمْحُ اللَّهُ بِهِنَّ الْخَطَايَا Allah wipes out the sins via them. Just like if you had a river next to your house, you went and washed yourself five times a day, you'd wash off all of those dirts and everything. Nothing would remain, you'd be clean. The same with the prayer. You pray five times a day and it wipes out your minor sins and leaves you clean. Takes away those minor sins and errors that you've fallen into. And that is a hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. In another hadith it mentions, As-salawatu al-khams Wal-jum'a ila al-jum'a Kaffarah lima baynahunna Ma lam tughshal kaba'ir one Friday to the next Friday. And, or rather, the five prayers, one prayer to the next. And the Jum'ah to the Jum'ah. All of those in between are an expiation of your minor sins. One prayer to the next prayer expiates your minor sins. Jum'ah to Jum'ah expiates your minor sins. So this indicates again the great virtue of the prayer that it expiates the sins of an individual. Also from the virtues of the prayer, is that the Muslims have an opportunity to unite. Everybody gets together in the mosque five times a day for the congregational prayer. You see your Muslim brothers, you see one another, you find out about one another, Somebody's in difficulty, you become aware of it. The society, the community becomes close-knit because you are there together five times a day in the masjid in congregation side by side. So this is another great virtue of the prayer. Another great virtue of the prayer, the final one here, is that the prayer is a connection between the servant and his Lord. Because it is mentioned in a hadith, when you pray, it is like you are talking to Allah. When you are reading the Fatiha, and you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah replies to you. And you say, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Allah replies to you. Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah replies to you. It is like a conversation you're having with your Lord, with Allah. So this is another great virtue, because there is no other worship like that. There is no other worship like that where you are conversing with your Lord as if, as though you are conversing with your Lord. No other worship exists in that manner. So there are some of the virtues of the prayer. Next chapter now is the warning against the one who abandons the prayer. Neglects the prayer. 
the one who abandons or neglects the prayer, then what is the ruling on that type of person? The one who doesn't care about the prayer, the one who doesn't pray five times a day, then what is the ruling on that? Allah said in the Qur'an, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ Woe be to the ones, those who pray but they are lazy in their prayers. This is a dispraiseworthiness of those who don't really care about their prayer. Laziness upon their prayers. Similarly, in another ayah, the people of hellfire, it will be said to them, مَا سَلَكَكُمْ فِي سَقَرْ What made you end up in the hellfire? What made you end up in the hellfire? قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ They will say, we never used to pray. We never used to pray. And so they end up in the hellfire. Due to the neglect and abandonment of the prayer. And that is why it is said about those munafiqoon or those mushrikoon. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمُ ارْكَعُوا لَا يَرْكَعُونَ When it is said to them prostrate or bow, they do not bow. And there is a hadith about the day of judgment. In fact, there's ayat in the Quran. About the day of judgment when... Allah will come on the day of judgment before paradise, on the land of resurrection, when Allah will come and they will all, the people, the Muslimun and the Munafiqun, the Kuffar, they will not see Allah. But the Munafiqun, hypocrites, and the Muslims, Allah will come and command them all to prostrate. Those who used to prostrate to Allah in this world, they used to pray, they used to prostrate, they will be able to prostrate on that day. Those who did not used to, those who did not used to prostrate to Allah in this world, it is mentioned that their backbone, their vertebrae, will be made into one solid bone. And as a consequence, on that day when they are all told to prostrate, when they try to prostrate, they will not be able to. Because their backbone is made as one solid bone. And so they can't bend their back to prostrate. Because they never used to prostrate in this world to Allah. They never used to pray in this world. They were neglectful of their prayer abandoned their prayer, didn't take care of their prayer. So on that day, it is mentioned, some of them will not be able to prostrate. Their backbone will be made into one solid bone. They can't even bend to try and prostrate on that day. There is a narration also, that on one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ was shown 
was shown the punishment of the people, the punishment of the people in their graves. It mentions that in the hadith, in some versions of it, how two men came to him, which was Jibreel and Mikail, and they took him and they showed him how people were being punished. One of those people who was being punished, it says, مَرَّ عَلَى رَجُلٍ مُطَّجِعٍ A man who was lying down. وَإِذَا آخَرْ قَائِمٌ عَلَيْهِ بِصَخْرَةٍ And another man was stood on top of him with a rock. One man lying on the floor, another man stood on top of him with a rock. وَإِذَا هُوَ يَهْوِي بِصَخْرَ لِرْأَسِهِ فَيَثْلَغُ رَأْسَهُ The man with the rock comes down and basically cracks the rock onto the head of that person on the floor. فَيَتَدَهْدَهُ الْحَجَرِ The rock when it is thrown onto the head of that person lying down, after it crashes into his head, the rock then rolls away. Crashes onto the head of that person cracking it, then the rock falls, the rock rolls away. فَيَتْبَعُ الْحَجَرْ فَيَأْخُذُ So then the man goes to pick up the rock, the one who threw it on him, goes to pick up the rock. فَلَا يَرْجِعِ إِلَيْهِ حَتَّى يَصِحَّ رَأْسُهُ كَمَا كَانَ By the time he picks it up and comes back to this man on the floor, his head has been fixed again. He's had the rock on his head, experienced all of the pain that you experience with the rock cracking onto your head. Then the rock rolls away, he goes and picks it up. By the time he comes back, that man, his head is back together again. So then, he does it again. Cracks it onto his head again. Feels all of the pain again, rock rolls away again. Goes and picks it up and brings it back. And his head is fixed again and he carries on doing that. It is mentioned at the end that the Prophet ﷺ is told, He is a man who learns the Qur'an but rejects it. And he used to sleep and miss the obligatory prayers. Used to sleep and miss the obligatory prayers. A person who never used to pray. He used to abandon those prayers, miss those prayers, even though he had the Qur'an, etc. And as a consequence, he is receiving this punishment. So this is mentioned in the hadith regarding it. And that's why in the narrations it says, when the children are seven years old, when they are seven years old, start telling them to pray. Start teaching them and start getting them to pray when they're seven years old. And when they get to turn, then with a greater degree of firmness, you then explain to them and you tell them regarding that prayer. Seven onwards though, you start telling them. Seven onwards, you start getting them to practice. So that is some of the issues regarding the one who abandons the prayer and neglects it. What is the actual ruling on a person who doesn't pray. That's some of the punishments and things mentioned. But what is the actual ruling on a person who abandons the prayer? A person who abandons the prayer is either one of two types. 
Either he abandons the prayer because he doesn't believe in the obligation of the prayer. That type of person is without a doubt kafir. Somebody who doesn't believe in the obligation of the prayer, rejects the obligation of the prayer, is kafir. That one no problem. The second type of person who misses the prayer is somebody who accepts the obligation of the prayer, knows that you're supposed to pray, knows you're supposed to pray five times a day, but out of laziness, he doesn't bother praying five times a day. What's the ruling on that one? Somebody who knows it is an obligation to pray, but out of laziness, doesn't bother to pray five times a day. What is the ruling on that type of person? According to some scholars, he is classed as a sinner. And according to some scholars, he is classed as a kafir. Some scholars will class this person who abandons the prayer out of laziness, doesn't bother to pray, can't be bothered to get up and pray five times a day, misses prayers every day, misses that prayer. Some of the scholars, they say, kafir. Kafir, meaning you're not Muslim. Kafir. They say, go bury him when he dies in the graveyard of the kuffar. Don't bury him with the Muslims. Didn't even used to pray. Didn't even pray those five prayers every day, the second pillar of Islam. Don't bury him in the Muslim graveyard. Go bury him with the kuffar. Go bury him with the disbelievers. He never even used to pray. Five times a day. Never used to pray. Abandon the prayer. The highest obligation after the shahada. Never cared about that. Never bothered. Too lazy. Couldn't put time to pray five prayers a day. Kafir in that case. Go bury him with the kuffar. Don't do janazah on him. Don't put him next to the Muslims. Go dump him with the kuffar. That is what some of the scholars have mentioned. For the one who doesn't bother with the prayer. The one who doesn't care about the prayer. The one who abandons the prayer. Lazy. Can't be bothered to pray. He knows he needs to. He knows it's an obligation. He knows it's the command of Allah. He knows as a Muslim that's what he needs to do. But out of laziness, he just can't be bothered and he doesn't do it. Misses it and he doesn't care. So some of the scholars say in that case, kafir. Kafir. If you're going to abandon the prayer out of laziness. And there are evidences for it. There are lots of evidences to suggest that. This isn't just something like an opinion. It is an opinion but with evidences. To suggest that the one who abandons the prayer even out of just laziness isn't just a sinner, he's a kafir for it. So some of those evidences, one of them in the Qur'an, it mentions about the mushrikeen. Allah says about the mushrikeen, فَإِن tabu, If they repent, if the mushrikeen repent from their shirk, وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ And they establish the prayer. وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةِ And they give the zakah. فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ Then they are your brothers in Islam. Allah didn't just say, if they repent from their shirk, now they are your brothers in Islam. Allah said in the ayah, if they repent from their shirk, and they establish the prayer, then they are your brothers in Islam. 
Meaning if they repent, but they refuse the prayer, they don't bother praying, no prayer, then they are not your brothers in Islam. This ayah is a proof the scholars use. The ayah says, if they repent and establish the prayer, then they are your brothers. Meaning if they only repent but don't establish the prayer, then they haven't yet got the title of being your brothers. They are still kuffar. This is a proof, one of the evidences, that you need to pray to be considered a Muslim. And if you don't bother praying, then you're not considered a Muslim. That is one evidence that the scholars use. Another evidence, Hadith of Jabir, radiyallahu anhu. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن بين الرجل وبين الشرك والكفر ترك الصلاة That the Prophet ﷺ said the gap or the difference between a man and shirk and kufr here is shirk and kufr here is a person what's the gap what's stopping that man falling into shirk and kufr what is the barrier that keeps you as a Muslim away from falling into the shirk and kufr over there? What is the fence? What is the barrier keeping you away from it? As-salah. Meaning here it says, Tarkus salah whoever abandons the prayer, that barrier is gone and the man is now fallen into shirk and kufr. The barrier keeping you in Islam, out of shirk and kufr, that fence is the prayer. If you abandon the prayer, you don't even pray, that fence is gone and you roll over into kufr and shirk. That is what this hadith mentions in Muslim. The barrier between kufr and shirk and you is the abandonment of the prayer. You abandon the prayer, you're in kufr and shirk. You don't abandon the prayer, you pray and guard over it, you are safe out of that kufr and shirk in Islam. This hadith again, another proof. Another proof that the one who abandons the prayer is kafir. Then we have the hadith of Burayda ibn al-Husayb radiyallahu anhu. That the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-ahdu al-lazhi baynana wa baynahum al-salah, faman tarakaha faqad kafir. That the difference between us and them, Muslims and non-Muslims, the difference, the barrier, is what? As-salah. The prayer. فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا The Prophet ﷺ said, So whoever leaves it, whoever leaves off the prayer, فَقَدْ كَفَرْ Then that person has disbelieved. Whoever leaves off the prayer, then that person has disbelieved. That is another very clear proof that a person who doesn't pray is a kafir. Another clear proof, another evidence the scholars they use that a person who doesn't pray is a kafir. So these are all very strong evidences highlighting to you that a person who doesn't pray five times a day out of laziness can't be bothered. Many of the scholars say he is a kafir, not a Muslim. Don't bury him with the Muslims, go bury him with the kuffar, that's what they said. A Muslim who doesn't bother praying five times a day. Five times a day, 
That's the obligation on you. That is the prescribed obligation on you. Here the hadith says, the difference between the Muslims and the non-Muslims is the prayer. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا So whoever leaves the prayer, فَقَدْ كَفَرْ Then he has committed kufr. Whoever leaves the prayer is committing kufr, disbelief, kafir. So many of the scholars, they say, if you don't pray five times a day, you're too lazy, can't be bothered, you're classed as a kafir. That isn't just a warning or a threat, they mean it. This is an opinion. This is what the scholars have said, based upon these evidences, you are considered a kafir. If you don't pray five times a day. Look at Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu said, La hadha fi al-islami liman taraka salah. There is no share of Islam for a person who has abandoned the prayer. No share for you. You're not in Islam. If you have abandoned the prayer. You don't pray five times a day. There is no share of Islam for you. Out of Islam. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu said that. It is narrated also, it is narrated, كَانَ أَصْحَابُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم لَا يَرَوْنَ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْعَمَالِ تَرْكُهُ كُفْرِ غَيْرَ الصَّلَةِ It is narrated that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ used to view that the person who abandons the prayer is a kafir. That any other action, if a person abandons hajj, he's got money, but he's miserly, he wants to keep his money, doesn't want to spend a few thousand going on hajj, so he doesn't go. He could go. He's got the money, everything, he's fit and healthy, but he doesn't go on purpose, he wants to keep all of his money. Is that kafir or not? He's not a kafir. He's just a sinner. He's a sinner. He's got the money, he's got the ability, but he wants to keep hold of his money, doesn't want to spend it, doesn't want to spend a few thousand for hajj, so he doesn't go on hajj. He's a sinner, not a kafir. A person doesn't bother to fast. Ramadan comes and he doesn't bother to fast. This person kafir or just a sinner? Sinner. Don't, you can't say he's a kafir. He knows he's got a fast, but lazy doesn't do it. Even zakat, similar kind of thing you could mention. But prayer, somebody knows they got to pray five times a day, but they don't do it. That one is different to all the others. That one now, all of a sudden, the scholars, they say, not just a sinner, now for the prayer, they say, kafir. And this narration, that's what it indicates, that the sahaba, they used to take the opinion that the person who doesn't do hajj or, or Ramadan fasting, etc., Sinner. But the person who doesn't bother with prayer, kafir. That is what this narration indicates. That is a narration some of them they mention. Some of the scholars even say there is a consensus upon this fact that a person who does not pray is considered as a kafir. Some of the scholars even say, if you miss one prayer on purpose, and it goes out of the time, you keep delaying and delaying and delaying on purpose, just can't be bothered to get up and do it, until the time of the prayer goes. One prayer you do that, some of the scholars say you're kafir. Single prayer on purpose, you miss it, on purpose, can't be bothered. You keep delaying and delaying and delaying, and the time goes. 
Some of the scholars say kafir. So this is something severe. The prayer is something severe. It is something a person needs to understand the importance of. This isn't something minor. So many people have become slack with it and they don't care and they don't pray five times a day. But it is something very severe and very important. We'll conclude upon that point for today and we'll carry on with this topic. We're not done yet. We'll carry on with this issue about the prayer and the importance and the one who abandons it. And what are the rulings? How do you behave towards a person who's abandoned the prayer? Because according to some scholars, he's technically now a kafir. Can you inherit from him? Can you marry your daughter to him? We'll talk about all these issues next time. How do you deal and how do you interact with a Muslim? A Muslim who doesn't pray. How do you interact with him? Do you consider him as a Muslim and let your daughter marry him? Or uh, do you inherit from him if it's your father, etc.? We'll discuss those types of things next week. Because this is something very important and very serious. And everybody needs to realize how serious it is regarding the prayer. So we'll conclude upon that point for today then. And inshallah ta'ala next week we'll carry on. Next week it will be roughly same time then. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Next week, insha'Allah. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi